This is John Gescheitmeyer of Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your real estate expert. This podcast is designed to equipping people with the teaching and tools they need to succeed in real estate. I hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more real estate content. Welcome back, everybody, to Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your real estate podcast, the active, the only active podcast here in Wisconsin. We have a great episode for you today, and it involves everything legal-related. I'm super excited about this podcast episode because um, I always, as you're going to find out in 2021, and I've already kind of given you a preview into some of the things that we're going to do in 2021, I'm super excited about this one because we have Jamie from our office who also happens to be an attorney. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. So let's dive right into um, the topic of some of the legal troubles that people get into in real estate. And I think what we'd want to cover today is, we'll, Jamie, we'll have you introduce yourself in just a second, but we'll talk about some of the common things that gets people sued. And most of the time, I would guess that it's the sellers. You know, those people are the ones that are selling the home and for a variety of reasons, stuff comes back to them after the sale. Um, and then I want to talk about when it's really a must to use a realtor, uh, to, I'm not sorry, to use a real estate attorney in addition to a realtor. Um, and then we'll talk about for sale by owners too, because, you know, that is a relatively popular thing. I think it's a mistake in many cases, but we'll talk about that as well. So, do us a favor, introduce yourself, talk about your experience, and uh, give us a quick summary of who you are. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I am Jamie Bovet. I have been in real estate for about 12 years, most of those as a real estate attorney. I am a realtor here with Remax Service First, um, but I am also still a practicing attorney. That being said, I am an attorney. I am not your attorney. And while I'm giving general advice, none of this should be constituted as specific legal advice. Um, we had to say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was coming. Well, and it's important, too, because obviously this podcast, you know, just for me, too, um, it's always a good disclaimer. And we and I, if you listen to my podcast regularly, and I know you've listened to it, too, Jamie, but you do have to say that because every situation is different and every house sale is different. Every transaction is different. And yeah. It's what keeps it interesting. That's true. And profitable. So you have been specifically though, mostly involved in real estate. Yes. So you're not, um, and nothing against attorneys that do, but you're not one of these people that, you know, does 15 different things across the board. Uh, No, I couldn't keep that straight. And um, my real passion is real estate, which is why I added a real estate salesperson person to my resume. Um, I'm just I'm really excited about it. And I don't dabble in family law or criminal law. I just can't quite handle that. Well, and I think it's important too. it's just like in real estate. One of the things that um, is tough for people when they hire somebody is trying to find an expert in that particular, you know, section. Um, if you asked me to sell a $10 million commercial property, I would have to bring in partners if I was going to best serve you um, because that's just not my forte. Could I, could I figure it out? I consider myself to be relatively intelligent. I could, but I'm not benefiting my clients. So uh, 
thank you for joining us for one. You're welcome. <laughs> I like to call her Jamie Bovette. She doesn't like that when I call her that. That's not my name. Well, as, as you can guess, most people get Gescheidmeyer right on the first time. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so as you're going to find out, Jamie knows her stuff. Uh, great contact to have. And at the end of this podcast, we'll give out your contact information as well. So anybody listening can certainly check you out. But you're online as well. Yes. Facebook, social media, you name it. Okay, so let's get into the common things that get people essentially in trouble, a.k.a. sued. Yes. Um, well, I'm sure if you've listened to any of John's podcasts before, a big thing in the real estate world is seller disclosure. And that failure to properly disclose defects is the number one thing I want to say that is going to get you sued in a standard residential real estate transaction. So let's, let's walk through a typical transaction. Um, most of the time, there'll be a realtor involved, at least uh, roughly 92% of the time, I think. It was about 8% last year. So a realtor comes in, uh, you find you know a good match for you. The listing agent then says, okay, I'm going to send a whole bunch of paperwork to you, one of which is going to be this disclosure. Whether you're selling vacant land, a commercial property, or more importantly, residential, which is more common, you have to disclose. And the disclosure went from three pages to about six and a half a few years ago. And there's a lot of questions on there. So we as realtors cannot tell anyone or guide anyone how to complete that form. But we can tell them that you should consult with an attorney if you have specific questions. So we might be jumping a little bit ahead on when to use an attorney in a real estate transaction, but... That's one of the things that we will tell people. If there's specific things that you know about that you want to make sure you're covered and how you're wording it, to contact an attorney. But I think I always go back to the extent of an issue too. Oh, that's just a minor crack in the basement wall. But yet you forget to talk about how it leaks every spring, stuff like that. So talk a little bit about disclosure and just some general rules or Maybe some things to think about. Um, sure. Well, the general rule is if you have a question about whether it should be disclosed, it should be disclosed. That disclosure is there for seller protection, um, I would say more than anything, more than buyer protection. Uh, if it is disclosed on the condition report, then it, I can't, I'm not going to say it can't be brought up later in terms of a lawsuit, but a buyer is going to have an extremely hard time arguing that something that was disclosed on the condition report was not adequately dis disclosed. It's to put, put buyers on notice that there is an issue that if it is concerning to them, it needs to be investigated, whether that be with a structural engineer or some more specialized testing. But it, it essentially pushes the ball into the buyer's court to figure out exactly what the issue is, whether it remains an issue, and whether they are willing to move forward with the transaction with that disclosure in mind. Estates. If I'm selling, let's say one of my parents passes away or you know, someone, and I'm the executor of the estate, do they have an obligation to disclose? Because maybe I lived in that house when I was younger, but I haven't for the last 20, 30 years. 
I always err on the side, of course, of disclosure. And that's that's what the the report can say is that you haven't lived in the in the property for 30 years, but you don't have to um, probate stuff. I shouldn't say probate stuff, but um, selling property that's part of a probate estate. If you haven't lived there, I think it's 15 years. Um, you don't have to complete the condition report. So when my mom passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago, unexpectedly, I had to settle the estate. And one of the things that I had put on the condition report is that I lived there when I was younger, up until the age of about 21, and then I moved out. But that was many, many years ago. And I can't be responsible for what's been going on in that house. Uh, but, I, but I knew of, you know, I, I've obviously lived in the house. So, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I always tell people, look, if you were buying that house, what would you want to know about and the answer usually is everything. And so if you disclose everything and you talk about all of the things that, you know, could or could not, you know, tree roots in a lateral that have to be, you know, kind of scoped out every couple of years, that's all, that all has to be disclosed. Absolutely. And there, I mean, when it comes to non-disclosure issues, there are firms out there that are, are, are more aggressive in finding buyers that are experiencing issues after buying property. So um, it, it's just better to be cautious and to avoid that completely because litigation, civil litigation, not only does it take years and years to complete, it's, it's expensive. Um, you're going to pay an attorney a lot more than you ever would have paid to repair um, the issue that you didn't disclose or to just give a credit for the issue? I would say that a lot of people, and let's be honest, Wisconsinites, we are a little cheaper than some other people in the world, potentially. Um, they err on the side of not asking questions. And you know, having an attorney to handle things like your wills and your estate matters, real estate sales when appropriate and when needed, you know, those are all things that protect you. It's like when I started a business. I mean, I had to find a, an attorney who specializes in business-related matters to protect myself. So no different here. Uh, another one we talked about, we, we have a little bit of a list on what we want to cover today, but common things that get people sued, not disclosing, right? We, we covered that. What about breach of contract? Yes, breach of contract. So... Of course, in your standard real estate transaction, there's offer to purchase, and there's typically contingencies in the offer. If one of the parties just decides, no, I don't want to do this anymore, there's no failure of a contingency, they just decide not to go through with, with the purchase or the sale, then that is a breach of contract. They, you can't just cancel, unilaterally cancel a contract and the non-breaching party will absolutely have the option to sue. Um, there's something called specific performance. If a seller just backs out, the buyer still wants the property, they can sue in circuit court for specific performance to f essentially force the seller to follow through on the deal. Um, and if a buyer just backs out, and of course this is not for failure of a contingency just because they changed their mind, there, um, there are going to be issues with regard to the earnest money. Who gets to keep that? It's easier just to speak to an attorney if one of the parties is thinking about backing out of the deal. On page nine in the offer to purchase, 
um, the section is marked default. And so, you know, it specifically mentions if a buyer defaults, the seller may sue for specific performance and request the earnest money as partial payment of the purchase price. Number two, terminate the offer and have the option to request the earnest money as liquidated damages. In other words, settle for that or sue for actual damages, which can get really complicating. Complicated and, again, expensive. With most of the things that we're talking about and the things that we will be talking about, yes, um, it's it's good to be frugal, but sometimes you're talking about paying you know, $200 to talk to an attorney for a little while to figure out these issues, or you're going to pay $20,000 to litigate these issues in circuit court. I mean, it, it really does make sense. If there is a question, if there's a potential of a legal issue, just have a conversation with an attorney. And, and your realtor can almost certainly direct you to one. Well, and let's be honest. Um, I think people are sometimes afraid of attorneys. Uh, I think sometimes you know, when an attorney gets involved, they, an, an attorney gets involved, they, they freak out. Um, I mean, I spent 24 years in law enforcement, so I, I spoke to attorneys uh, almost every day. And yeah, a lot of times in court, they were certainly trying to discredit me in the arrests and prosecution, all that good stuff. And it's no different in the civil world. But I'm going to make a statement. You tell me if you agree with this or disagree with it. I think I know your answer already, <laughs> right? Courts do not give much leeway to a seller that doesn't disclose or a party that intentionally and for no other reason wants to breach a contract. They don't take lightly people coming into court and essentially wasting the court's time. That is 100% correct. And especially now with there's there's just a big and growing backlog of, of civil cases, partially because of COVID and the court's not being open for a while, that if you walk in with something like that, they're not going to think kindly of the lawsuit or the need for the lawsuit. Well, and to take it one step further, tell me again if I'm wrong, but I come in and I want to represent myself in a matter in front of the court. That That's almost a little, little bit of a slap in the face to judges. Um, it is. Well, there with civil litigation, there's there's small claims court and then there's just, I guess, small large claims. Small claims accepted. I, I'm not talking yes. about that. So if you try to walk into civil court meaning that the damages are over $10,000 or 5000 if this is a tort case, which um, failure to disclose is a tort case that's going to be put into just a regular large claim civil suit, and you don't have representation, the judge is not going to cut you any slack for not knowing the legal process. This is, of course, stuff like foreclosures being excluded because there's a little that's a little bit different. But if you are walking in, and haven't even bothered to retain counsel, you're not going to get any leeway and don't expect it. And I don't think they should. I mean, the court system, you know, look, we have a lot of people who um, will fault attorneys for doing their jobs. And they're attorneys, whether it's defense attorneys, whether it's civil attorneys, probate, um, you name it, right? They all have a purpose, and the purpose is to protect people. We wouldn't need attorneys. We wouldn't need police officers if everybody just did the right thing and obeyed the laws, right? We know that does not happen. Um, but the court system is the best that we have. And that's all we have. And I think when you walk in and you start meddling with the system, so to speak, to me, it, it, it's 
it's really a matter of if I'm getting sued, I need to fight or I need to settle. Because if I did something wrong, no mercy in the court, right? And failure right. to know. Um, well, anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> so let's let's go down the list here now. Uh, when to use an attorney in a real estate transaction? Let's transition to that. Um, of course, I, I, I'll ask the question and I know what the answer is going to be and then we'll laugh. Um, when do you need a real estate transaction or when do you need an attorney in a real estate transaction? And I know an attorney would say, John, always. Right. Give me all of your money. But <laughs> the, the truth is a realtor, just your standard real estate transaction, you know, where nothing's wonky, everything's completely straightforward. You probably don't need an attorney. But honestly, that's not that many transactions. There's always something weird that comes up or a little bit tricky where, you know, having a 10-minute conversation with an attorney is just going to be helpful. Right. So let's go through the list that we came up with uh, prior to going live here with this podcast. So um, I think we both agreed that if if there is a lack of disclosure and that's being called out by either another law firm or the seller, it's probably immediately best to talk to an attorney. If you're finding yourself on that other side, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Or if you're a buyer and you bought a home and you found out that the seller overtly did not disclose some things, you know, you call your realtor, but the realtor's responsibility and really, I shouldn't even say responsibility, their legal authority to get involved in that transaction ends at closing. And so now, you know, if I have a buyer who buys a house and stuff comes up six months later that none of us knew about, um, then what happens? They call me, John, we just found this out. Uh, we just had a rainstorm and there's water leaking in our basement. And, you know, we felt the seller should have known about that. And you talk to the neighbors because the neighbors always rat the previous sellers out, I've found. And then they go into, you know, the discussions of, no, they, they knew about it. Those sellers knew about it before they moved. Obviously, it's time to talk to an attorney. Yes, absolutely. Um, that being said... I do have to mention that just because you buy a house and then something happens, say, you know, there's a heavy rainstorm and you get a little bit of water in your basement or there's, you know, some drain tile failure. I mean, everything has to start somewhere. There's always going to be a first failure and it stinks if it's right after you buy the house. But just having an issue doesn't necessarily mean that it's lawsuit worthy. So definitely talk to an attorney and they can determine whether there is enough to establish that the seller knew about the defect to move forward because sometimes you're just out of luck. Well, and that's a good point. Um, thanks for clarifying that. So the risk is when you buy a house, the water heater has been working just fine for the last six, seven years, and then three weeks later it dies. And when, when a water heater starts leaking, it's dead. I mean, it's time to replace it. And those things happen. It is the risk of buying a home. Insert home warranty, perhaps. You know, even buyers should be buying home warranties, especially if they're buying an older home. You can't buy a home with a home warranty attached that the seller pays for it because we're in such a competitive environment, you know, when you're making a purchase uh, on a house. But anyway, yeah, good point. Okay, so the next one on our list is seller financing. Yes, seller financing. This is not something that you want to try to do on your own. So, Seller financing is um, typically takes the form of a land contract, and it puts you in the position of essentially acting as a mortgage company. And 
a lot of people think that, okay, if they don't make the payments or they decide not to um, get conventional financing at the end of the term, because typically land contracts are, the standard term is five years, the payments are in interest are amortized over 30 years, so there's a balloon payment due at the end of the land contract period. Many sellers think that, okay, they don't pay or they don't want to um, finance the property or can't finance the property, I'll just take it back. Well, it's not that easy. You have to, again, go to civil court for an action for strict foreclosure. It's expensive. It is extremely time-consuming in Wisconsin. There's a lot of uh, buyer protection. And um, you're still responsible for everything that happens in the property. You know, if there's if there's a citation issued, an ordinance, a violation, it's going to you're going to be financially responsible for it. And you need an attorney to draft a contract in a way to that protects you to the maximum extent possible. Another seller financing vehicle that's used is a lease option, which is more of a landlord-tenant type of relationship with the buyer having you know the option to purchase. There's a certain percentage of the the rent payments that's applied towards down payment, and there's just a lot of stuff that can come up. And again, you want an attorney to protect your interests. If you are thinking about doing this, buying a land contract or doing a, a, a lease option, you want to have an attorney review these documents to ensure that your buyer's interest is protected. So we had this discussion in-house with one of our realtors that came to me and said, Hey, um, I was going to list this house, but they found a buyer and they want to pay commission, but they want me to negotiate a land contract. And I immediately said, okay, you need to talk to Jamie. <laughs> That's just not something that we do. But, but I think, um, and for realtors, a good realtor should know when to get an attorney involved. A good realtor should not try to take it all on themselves, should not be ashamed of saying to a seller or a buyer, you know, a party in a transaction. I'm sorry, I think this is outside of my wheelhouse here. And I mean, that that is, first of all, that's your responsibility. You know, it's no different if, if I came to, if somebody came to me and said, hey, I want to sell my house. You know, it's a multi-million dollar home and, and I've only sold three homes ever and they've been 150,000. I may not be qualified to do that. And that's tough because nobody wants to say no, especially to commissions and earnings. But you have to do what's best for your client as well. So, I, hey, I've always said that if, um, because when I entered real estate in 2011, we were not in a real good spot. And in fact, only about 60, 65% of the homes actually sold. Buyers were in charge, right? They could ask for just about anything. But if a buyer couldn't get financing and they went to the seller for financing, the, the, I, I always said to people, why would you finance somebody that a bank or an institution lending money, if they won't do it, why would you? Doesn't make sense to me. Okay, let's keep going through our list. So 1031 exchanges. First of all, quick explanation of what those are. And then I would say absolutely you should have an attorney review those things. Yes, so 1031s. And this is more of a vehicle that investors tend to use um, to finance, I guess, their their real estate purchases and to avoid paying taxes. Uh, 1031 or Starker exchanges, like-kind exchanges, are vehicles by which um, you can sell a property, uh, say you have a, a four unit, you can use the the proceeds from 
that sale to purchase a like-kind property. So something in a multi-unit, probably two to four units, without having to pay taxes on the profit that you make from that sale. If you are an extremely experienced investor, maybe you're comfortable doing these on your own, I would never recommend, unless you've got about 100 of these under your belt, never recommend going it alone. And not just you don't want to just talk to an attorney. You want to talk to an accountant. And there are some attorneys that are also CPAs. That's definitely not me. I will recommend that you talk to an accountant every single time. Well, that's the same thing with a short sale. You know, If you have to sell your home and it's a short sale situation, meaning the home isn't worth what I owe, you know, which is not a real common occurrence today. It was 10 years ago for sure. You have to talk to an accountant because there are tax implications to that. You know, it's just, you're not wiping away debt, trust me, uh, without tax liabilities. Nope. So the next one we talked about, um, breach of contracts, absolutely must uh, have an attorney there. Uh, and then tenants in a property. Yes, um, tenants. So Again, a lot of investors will purchase properties where, where tenants are already installed, and, and maybe that's okay if you are buying it as a, as a rental property and you want to install tenants in there. If you are buying a tenant-owned property with the thought that you are going to occupy this residence, then you certainly need to be aware of the issues that um, a possibility of a holdover tenant presents. If you're closing and the tenant is still in there, you are assuming a landlord-tenant relationship. You do not just get to kick the tenant out because you own the property now and their lease doesn't apply or they're, if they're on a month-to-month, um, you don't just get to terminate that. You have to actually take all this, the steps in order to properly terminate that lease. You have to get proper notice. And if they refuse to leave, you have to go through an eviction process. Well, that all sounds like fun. Yes. Well, for somebody who owned rental properties for a while, I, we always used to tell people that the lease survives the sale of the home. Um, and so when people come to us and they want to sell a duplex or a four-family, you know, we always have to look at all of the options and what are the leases say? When do they expire? Are they on month to months? You know, stuff like that. So talk to a realtor, but then you may need to get an attorney involved. So let's kind of extend that because um, we're talking occupancy. Let's talk about post and pre-occupancy, which... Ugh, I just don't recommend. But in today's world, when you're trying to be competitive, I mean, now it's written right into the MLS listing on the agent-to-agent -agent remarks. We call those private remarks. Um, must close by March 15th. Seller needs to rent back until end of April. Yes, and I have the same initial thought of, ugh. Um, and I, I still, I don't, recommend the use of a seller rent back, I certainly never would recommend allowing buyers pre-closing occupancy because you were just asking for it at that point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, post-closing, I've been over the years, you know, you, you, you say, no, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but I get it. Pre, I've never understood. Yeah. Um, and, and this just actually came up in a recent transaction of mine. The, the buyer was asking for... Um, pre-closing occupancy and I couldn't say no hard enough or fast enough it's just a bad idea no matter what the reason behind it just just don't do it if you can in any way avoid it the post-closing seller occupancy is just it's becoming a way to get sellers to sell their 
their house. They're afraid that they're not going to be able to find anywhere to move, anywhere to buy, and they're requesting post-closing occupancy. And of course, buyers are, are happy to do it, anything to get the house right now in this market. But again, you are establishing a landlord-tenant relationship and all of the responsibilities that come with it. If the seller refuses to leave at the end of the occupancy period, you will have to evict them. They have property rights. You can't do a self-help eviction or you will get sued. Um, you, you have to go through the court process. And it's taking a while now. I mean, this is not... Well, and a moratorium on evictions. And- well, the moratorium applies to um, people who are unable to pay Oh, their their months so different right it's definitely okay. different but you still have to file the lawsuit it has to be served you have to go to your return date if they're contesting you have to go to a you know a second hearing it takes a while you have to wait for the sheriff to show up and it's expensive um it's again it's just i want to say it's not worth it but i know in this market you have to do anything you can be to be competitive but that's why if this comes up Talk to an attorney. You can protect your interests. Um, I mean, there's a few different ways to make sure that you have some security and knowledge that they're going to move out. Um, but you definitely talk to an attorney. So um, title issues when they arise. Sometimes, I mean, a lot of times the title company can just resolve it. Many times there were things that came up that, you know, maybe the seller didn't know about it. There were some things attached, maybe an error. Uh, but if it gets really complicated, you guys have to get involved in that as well. Yes, definitely. And and sometimes, um, unfortunately, just getting a letter from an attorney is a lot scarier than getting a letter from a title examiner. And sometimes it can speed up resolution of a, a title issue. But sometimes there's just issues where, you know, there's been a bankruptcy involved, the liens aren't released, or, um, you know, there's tax liens on the property that you need, you know, partial release for, you're not going to be able to pay them all with the sale. There's just, there's a lot of issues that can come up on title that a quick conversation with an attorney can kind of give you some guidance on how to clear title so you can move forward with the closing. Almost never does an an attorney cost more than the potential problems that could be created. Um, okay, so last two, let's talk about uh, probate and then for sale by owner, and then we'll wrap this up. Excellent. Um, right, probate, when someone dies and they don't have um, a vehicle in, pra- in place to transfer real estate without going through probate court, and uh, that's another thing I recommend. If you have real estate, if you own real estate, you need to make sure that you're not leaving your loved ones with a mess to deal with. There are lots of ways to avoid probate with real estate, but that's a whole different conversation. But if a loved one dies, you will have to go to court to get the authority to sell that property. And that property becomes uh, the real estate becomes property of the probate estate, and there are certain things that need to be done in a certain order in order to be able to sell them and to account to the court for the proceeds from the sale. If you're trying to do it on your own, just don't. Um, talk to an experienced probate attorney, a real estate attorney. Uh, it's just going to be immeasurably easier for you to just get an attorney from the outset. Good advice to handle it up front. But a lot of people, you know, life gets in the way and they forget about that stuff. Uh, the last one I want to talk about, and I know a lot of our listeners um, 
you know, we've, 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 we haven't really done a how to sell your home segment. That, that is, I'm going to do one. And I think the goal of that segment is to show a seller how complicated the process can get. But talk a little bit about when you have a for sale by owner situation. You know, I mean, I, I read some, so I read on Facebook and some of these groups, um, you know, we're thinking about selling our house and then inevitably there's always one or two people in the thread. Well, there's 58 agents that respond and say, hire me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Uh, or they'll recommend real estate agents. But there's always one or two that said, in this market, just sell it yourself. Get a good attorney. Talk about FISBOs. For sale by owners. Yes, for sale by owners. So um, I I do handle quite a few of these um, as an attorney, obviously. Um, and it often starts with someone coming to me saying, uh, I want to sell this property for sale by owner because I don't want to pay a realtor. Can you just, um, you know, look over this offer, offer to purchase? I say, sure. You know, I give them a flat fee just to review the contract. And then I say, okay, well, what about all this other stuff that now your obligation as a seller? And I usually get a what? And we have to go through the many, many things that a seller is obligated to do as part of a transaction. Um, you know, the seller takes care of order, ordering the owner's title, um, they have to, of course, complete the, the required disclosures. Just because you're for sale by owner doesn't mean that you are not legally required to complete the disclosure form. And it usually ends up in um, as a full representation. The same for buyers. You don't want to try to do this on your own unless, like I said, you've had 100 transactions under your belt. You just, If you're determined to buy or sell for sale by owner, then contact an attorney. I don't necessarily recommend you do it for sale by owner. You, as a seller, you leave a lot of money on the table. I just did one where the appraisal came in $50,000 more than the asking price, which was great because I was representing the buyers. Whoa. Yeah. $50,000 more. So. Well, and that's, I mean, that's only part of it. You know, like I said, we'll, we'll do maybe a for sale by owner segment uh, in and of itself, but you know, you hear those stories all the time. And I'll tell you, I, I, use, I, I tell people every time that I hear somebody thinking about selling by owner, I say, you know, go for it if you want to. I'm always here if you have questions. And when you get multiple offers and it gets really confusing, I can even jump in then. Um, but I prefer to get you the amount of money that you deserve up front. I, I really, you know, I don't tell them what I would list until I know they're committed to me. But you hear so many people that, oh, we sold it ourselves. And they lose 10, 15, 20,000. For sale by owner that I sold in Waukesha at the end of last summer would have listed for 37,000 less than what we sold it for. And of course, I mean, he might have got multiple offers, but you know, when I, when I was in law enforcement, I used to invest my own funds in our deferred compensation, which is you know, similar to a 401k. I, I, have, I have no idea how much money I lost, especially now as that money has been compounding over the years. Because I thought I knew better than the experts. Ugh, if I could get those ears back. Yes. Um, a, a good attorney, the same as a good realtor, is going to save you so much more money than you know trying to do it on your own. Well, good words. And you, somebody might say you're biased, right? Because oh. now you're also in real estate sales. But... Um, 
Yes, can you sell on your own in today's market? Absolutely. An attorney is going to handle the paperwork aspect of things. And, and most of them are probably not as familiar with the nuances of what happens in today's market. And let's also be honest, there's a very good chance that you're going to have a buyer's agent that finds you, brings a buyer to you, and is going to want to get paid. I mean, that's probably 90 plus percent of the buyers that are out there. I mean, if you can find a buyer not represented, do it yourself, fair value, then have at it. Good for you. But that doesn't happen often. It doesn't. And I mean, some people are just going to sell on their own. I mean, sometimes people think they're going to save money. Some people just don't want to deal with realtors, and that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to help for sale by owner parties, a buyer or seller. Um, as If they're happy with the transaction, then I'm happy. It's not always about money, but it's just a little bit, I guess, it makes a little bit more sense to review all of your options and to know how much money you're leaving on the table. Amen, sister. So let's wrap this up. Um, Jamie, give us your contact information, um, phone number, websites, email, whatever you want to give, and um, some final parting words from an astute attorney on real estate matters. I like putting you on the spot. Right. I was, I was this is not informed be like of this, this, <laughs> this parting words thing. <laughs> Um, well, again, my name is Jamie Bovet. That's B-O-U-V-E-T-T-E. Um, good number is 414-791-3068. Call or text. Heavy emphasis on text. Um, or you can reach me. Do you me. bill by the text? I, I do not because oh, okay, I good. appreciate text so much that <laughs> I just kind of leave those off the billing sheet. Um, email is jamie, J-A-I-M-E, at soldwisconsin.com. And if you want to see your bio, go to soldwisconsin.com, go to the agents tab, and uh, you've got yourself a nice bio there. I'd like to think so. <laughs> well, hey, um, hopefully, it's a little longer podcast, but um, all really good stuff. And we could probably went on for an hour on just all the things to do and not do. Above all, last parting advice for anyone that is sitting there thinking, I wonder if I need an attorney because I'm in a situation. Parting advice is yes, you need an attorney. Um, and finally, a good attorney is going to save you so much more money than he or she costs. Very good advice. Jamie, thank you so much for your time, your expertise. Glad you're part of the team here. Um, and boy, I can't think of a better agent to um, list your house, buy a house with, than an agent who is also a licensed attorney. You know, I can't think of one either. Amen. With that, thank you, folks. Enjoy your day. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you enjoy the content, please share or like our Facebook page. Until next time, take care and good luck. This episode of Wisconsin Real Estate Today has come to a close. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and let others know if you found this content useful. Until next time, make today your best day.